Hello, and welcome to Moving Markets by Julius Baer, a podcast series where our experts discuss the latest market developments and put the headlines in perspective to set you up for the coming day. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Moving Markets podcast. My name is Mike Rauber. I'm an investment writer at Julius Baer in Zurich, and I'm delighted to be joined today by my teammate Olivier Maris, who has all the latest on the market action over the past hours. David Meyer, macro research on the British pound following Boris Johnson's resignation. Richard Tang, head of research Hong Kong on China equities, one of the better performing markets this year. So let's get started. I hand over to you, Olivier, for the markets wrap. Please go ahead. Yes, good morning, Mike. Well, globally, technology stocks slided yesterday. What started off in Asia with the Hang Seng Tech Index ending the day almost 4% lower, the risk-off mode spread to Europe and finally Wall Street. The Nasdaq closed at minus 2.26%, while the S&P 500 finished 1.15% lower. Out of the S&P's 511 sectors, only utilities posted a positive return. Now, the risk-off mode in markets can be attributed to the much-anticipated, or should I say feared, CPI data due tomorrow. While it remains to see if last month's inflation was the peak and stability is indeed forming, the White House announced yesterday they expect June's consumer price index figures to be highly elevated. They further added that the reading was already out of date because of falling energy prices. So let's quickly look at the price of oil. Indeed, it has been moving lower since mid-June, yet it is still elevated on a historic basis, trading above the 100 US dollars a barrel level. Pressure should continue on oil prices with COVID-19 resurgence in China, adding to concerns about further lockdowns and as such less global demand, yet it remains to see just how much lower the price will go. Now, of course, with inflation data due soon, we had some comments coming out of Federal Reserve officials, both clearly having a different picture on where the economy is heading. Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City President Esther George, who disagreed last month against the central bank's 75 basis point increase in interest rates, cautioned that rushing to tighten policy could backfire. While the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta President Rafael Bostic said the US economy can cope with higher interest rates and repeated his support for another jumbo move when the central bank meets later this month. Us investors will get a clearer picture on how those comments will play out after the inflation data. For now, it adds further confusion and disarray to the markets. Now in fixed income, the US Treasury held a 43 billion US dollar auction of three-year notes yesterday. The notes were awarded at 3.093% uh, versus the 3.098% when issued. Front end of Treasury's curve was little change following the auction, with the benchmark three-year rate richer on the day by four basis points. The two-year yields ended down 3.5 basis points, while the 10-year yield tenor fell 9 basis points, falling just below the 3% level. And in currencies, the US dollar pushed towards levels last seen at the height of the 2020 market panic over COVID. More importantly, the euro-US dollar parity is now well in sight. The euro dipped as low as briefly trading within six pips of parity. So with that said, what can we expect for the day ahead? While European and US equity futures are following Asian shares lower, 
the Nikkei 225 being the worst performer out of the major indices in Asia, losing well over 1%. Now, the Bank of England Governor Andrew Bailey is expected to discuss uh, economic landscape at an event in London, while the European Central Bank's François Villeroy speaks at the Europlace International Financial Forum in Paris. It is still a quiet day for earnings, yet DNB Bank announced results this morning that beat estimates, and PepsiCo is expected to announce results later today. With that, that's all from me, and I hand it back to you, Mike. Thank you very much, Olivier. Now on to the British pound. Boris Johnson has announced that he will be stepping down. David, to what extent does this impact our view on the pound? Thank you, and good morning to our listeners from the research office. Uh, you mentioned it, Mike, uh, political gravity finally grounded UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson last Thursday only about a month actually after he survived the vote of confidence of the Conservative Party. After various ministers of his cabinet stepped down last week, even the survivalist Johnson realized that his time was up. So he announced, he announced his retirement as party leader, but plans to hold on as prime minister until the party selects a new leader at the Tory party conference early October. There are even voices that want him to step down immediately as prime minister, so the situation kind of remains fluid for the time being. Well, yes, the pound sterling um, strengthened actually quite substantially in reaction to Johnson's resignment from levels around zero pound 0.86 to around 0.84 currently. This better settlement uh, was most likely due to hopes in markets that a new leadership might bring a friendlier stance towards the European Union that would eventually lead to more business investment and lift economic growth further down the road. And probably also some hopes of more political stability and less scandals going forward. So the question now is, you know, how sustainable uh, this slightly stronger pound is? And to be honest, uh, we are a bit skeptical on this. On the political front, yes, uh, the conservatives who saw Johnson as a liability got rid of him. Uh, but with 11 potential candidates, as of now, having announced uh, to run for leadership, there is kind of no clear successor ready uh, within the party and, and kind of no clear direction uh, in terms of economic policies. So the economic impact of this leadership change is not really visible uh, as of yet, and it may be overestimated by markets. After all, uh, the scope you know, for economic policies uh, with a more EU-friendly stance appears rather limited. If we remember uh, kind of back in time, uh, also the Conservative Party, it was very divided on the shape of Brexit uh, before Johnson could implement his plans. So it is questionable if we see a leadership that can bring through economic policies that support growth via an approximation to the European Union again. So we believe that uh, current uh, fundamental economic drivers are probably far more important uh, for the fate of the pound. The UK is heading into an ugly mix of stagflation, uh, with inflation expected to rise above 10% in the next month, but growth expected to contract in the current quarter and remain nearly flat for the rest of the year. And the Bank of England will likely hike rates less far and more gradual than its peers. And these are all on balance pound headwinds. So these ec fundamental economic drivers may prove to be far more dominant uh, than politics and weaken the pound going forward. Uh, we stick to our current set of euro pound forecasts of 0.87 in three months and 0.86 in 12 months. That result in a neutral overall outlook. And that's all from my side. Uh, thanks for listening and back to you, Mike. Thank you very much, David.
Please note that we published last week short to the point podcasts titled Currency Matters on our Beyond Markets channel and for German speakers Warum Währungen so wichtig sind on the Marktanalysen und Gespräche channel. So please tune in. The podcasts are available on all the usual channels as well as our own JB Investment Insights app. Now over to China equities. They've staged a meaningful rally since mid-May, notwithstanding the last two days. To get some insights on the state of China equities, I hand over to you, Richard. What's your assessment? Thank you very much, Mike, and uh, good morning, everyone. And uh, as you, some of you may know, since uh, late May, our view of China on China has been that the worst is over, but we expect a U-shaped recovery rather than a V-shape. Now, the worst is over mentality has indeed triggered a around 15% gain in the Chinese market uh, in the two months of May and June. And uh, I would say the optimal combination of one cheap valuation, two easing lockdown in the country, and three very aggressive policy stimulus have driven a fairly powerful sentiment recovery. Now, one feature of this sentiment recovery is that the stocks that went down the most previously have gone up the most. Uh, and uh, we think uh, after a 15% uh, rally, uh, we're probably moving to the next phase. So what would the next phase look like? We think um, the market would be uh, much more bumpy compared to the previous two months. We think uh, the market will be consolidating gains, and uh, there should be quite a few reality check on fundamentals along the way. Now, to be clear, we still expect a positive return in the Chinese equity market towards the end of the year, but uh, it will be more mid to low single digit. Um, and uh, be aware of some speed bumps uh, along the way, particularly in the next few weeks. Uh, number one, as um, some of you already know and we hear from the uh, beginning remarks, uh, there has been COVID resurgence in China, uh, and uh, I'm sure that would bring investors' uh, focus back to the zero COVID strategy and its economic implication. Uh, number two, Onshore Chinese investors are starting to worry about the potential normalization in liquidity. I think the concern is overdone, but um, I think this will nonetheless hurt the sentiment. What we are most concerned, uh, which is number three, is that upcoming reporting season, which we think is going to be uh, much weaker compared to the previous quarters, and that could trigger renewed earnings downgrades that would affect um, market sentiment. So what should be your strategy? Number one, as I mentioned, we're not expecting a lot of positive return. So the opportunity of making money will be more on Alva, uh, which is specific stocks and sectors, rather than beta, which is the overall market direction. Um, number two, uh, we would recommend investors uh, to stick to fundamentals uh, rather than uh, playing around with the technical nature of the rally, as was the case uh, in the past two months. So we would suggest uh, clients to buy on dips in the sectors that we think will have long-term growth uh, prospect, which would be renewables, which would be electric vehicles, as well as consumers. And finally, number three, uh, we think value discipline would be much more important uh, in the next couple of months. 
uh, value discipline means you need to be a little bit more mindful at the price that you buy uh, because the market would be a little bit bumpy. Uh, and uh, that basically means that uh, you need to be careful at your entry level. With that, uh, I'll stop here and pass it back to you, Mike. Thank you very much, Richard. Indeed, very interesting. With that, we conclude today's episode of the Moving Markets podcast. Thank you very much to our speakers and thank you for tuning in. We do hope that you'll look out for the next edition of the Moving Markets podcast tomorrow. Goodbye for now. You have been listening to Moving Markets by Julius Baer. If you like what you've heard, subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. To learn more about Julius Baer, our people, or our latest thinking, visit us at www.juliusbear.com.